creating space for the process of a pregnancy release, however that pregnancy is released, to be a process by which we are renegotiating our relationship with the divine and recalibrating our agreement with embodiment and how we are a vessel for creative power, uh, knowing that that is an inherent process for in pregnancy, whether or not you are conscious of it or honoring it, um, it is always a moment of uh, supreme alchemy and profound transformation. Welcome to the Wash Your Mouth Out podcast, power, pleasure, and parenting. We are stigma-smashing feminist parents creating a new narrative. Put in your earbuds. This is for you only. This is the place to be entertained, empowered, inspired, and feel seen while you're raising small humans. We are your hosts, Moraya Malat and Madison Young. Today on Wash Your Mouth Out, we have Samantha Zipporah, who is devoted to breaking the spells of oppression in reproductive and sexual health through education, healing, and liberation. She has over 20 years of experience honing her craft as an educator, guide, and caregiver, tending to fertility, sex, and cycles, spanning the full womb continuum. Sam's work rises from an ancient lineage of midwives, witches, and wise women. A fierce champion of critical thinking skills, her knowledge is integrative and inclusive of modern medicine and science, as well as traditional and ancient healing practices. Sam provides vital education for everyone from professionals to preteens in her books, courses, and live classes. Her online community, The Fruit of Knowledge, features monthly live workshops and an abundance of resources and dialogue for womb wisdom keepers and seekers. Welcome. Thank you. We've been hoping, I think, to to have you on for a while. And this couldn't be better timing. Um because we feel a strong need to talk about reproductive sovereignty (laughs) as much as possible right now. And we're just so glad to have you here to, um, to get, get deep into it. I, I'm just blown away by all that you're doing. And I'd, I'd love to hear more about, um, what do you think is the most important thing, um, that, folks really have as far as as knowledge about uh womb care at the moment um and if they're if they're completely reliant currently on the medical industry what are the first steps for someone that you would recommend in um getting acquainted Sometimes for the very first time, I know I'm a sex educator. Many people can be in their 30s or 40s or beyond and still not truly acquainted with their womb. So developing that relationship uh, right now and those those first first steps in education, what would what would you recommend? My goodness. It's very challenging to make, you know, blanket general. (laughs) Um, But throughout, uh, you know, the unfolding of the abortion bans and the publishing of the draft and the overturn of Roe, um, really central in my mind is, you know, there's so many root causes that are not being deeply addressed in the narratives and the dialogues that I see happening. And uh, fertility awareness and consent are really some of the biggest issues for me and the desire to teach every eight-year-old the basics of how to identify the fertile window and ovulation and how to practice good consent. 
uh, which would not eradicate the need for abortion entirely. We would always, always need abortions. Uh, but I think that it would prevent quite a few of them, uh, quite a few unwanted pregnancies from happening if we had a foundational understanding of how fertility worked, how conception worked, uh, and how to actually practice consent. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great beginning. I didn't even yes. think you were going to begin at the beginning, <laughs> but but well, that's absolutely it. Yeah. Let's begin with ovulation. Let's begin with, you know, uh, elaborating upon the myth that what we need to get pregnant or conceive is a sperm and an egg, because that's not entirely true. We need a sperm, an egg, and fertile fluids. And 90% mm -hmm. of people can accurately identify their fertile fluids, their first cycle after having adequate education and we can avoid pregnancy if we can practice fertility awareness and consent it's as effective as condoms and conventional birth control if you have the proper education and you're actually practicing it correctly um and so yeah i mean there's so much there it's like you know we need to end rape culture entirely we need to <laughs> embrace power with instead of power over dynamics mm -hmm. uh, throughout our life universally, starting with self-consent, power with our bodies, power with our pussies, power with our cycles and our fertility mm. rather than dominance mm. uh, and this, this fantasy we have that we're going to control anything or dominate anything and uh, this parallel between our bodies and the earth, but it's not a fucking yeah. metaphor. It's literally, this is like the way that we relate to the vital life force in our bodies is the way that we relate to the force of nature and divine creative energy that moves through the earth. And like, how do we teach reverence and respect for that so that we're moving in dynamic balance of power with rather than power over, which is, you know, the eradication of rape culture. It seems like... If we make that what seems to me like clear as a bell parallel, mm -hmm. um, it seems like to start at the beginning again, I love what you're saying about just like having that different kind of relationship with your body. That's something that we can teach very, very early. We can work on consent, you know, the parent who is really responsible for so much can work really hard on having consent culture in the home, which I know Madison and I have worked very hard on. Yes. Um, and there are, there are elements in parenting where you can't always have that a hundred percent of the time so um, for some safety areas. Um, but that if we're going to protect this mother planet, this, um, this earth and properly know and care for our bodies, we can be learning that very, very young, because you're born with the body. And right. uh, sounds like you're saying some of that work that we need to be doing is the work of parenting and facilitating those conversations and that learning and that knowledge very, very, very early. Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. What are you what are some of your favorite resources in regards to having those conversations? Um. Well, I have a free download on my website, my ovulation awareness booklet. I made it when I was 19 years old, when I first wow. learned how to practice fertility awareness myself. Uh, and it's just like old school punk rock, zine, scissors, nice. blue stick, three primary fertility signals. Um, one of my colleagues, Ashley Hartman Annis, I adore, is also a zinester, and she's made a lot of amazing... Uh, gender inclusive, all ages resources that I would highly recommend. Um, giving the talk on Instagram and sex positive families are some mm -hmm. amazing accounts and organizations for consent and sexuality in general to refer people to. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good start. Great. 
just so all listeners know, we've been putting all of the links of resources that anyone shares with us on the website at washyourmouthoutpodcast.com. So you can just click. I'm going to make sure all the links are there that we talk about today. Yeah. yeah. Along the lines of talking about talking about what's going on in our country with the removal of the human rights from human bodies that have wombs. Um, I heard this beautiful talk that you gave on Instagram the other day where you were talking about how we seem to be very focused on how the church is hurting us when the picture is much, much bigger than that and maybe even quite different from from what we think is going on. Would you please share with our audience some of those thoughts? Yes. Um, yeah, the, the misconception, the misinformation, disinformation, where most folks seem to think that the persecution of fertility management, and I use that term to encompass contraception and abortion, um, people think that it's about Jesus. <laughs> or Christianity or religion, when we have a clear path, if you look at historical records, if you look at different academic works of understanding that the persecution of fertility management has a direct correlation with uh, the need for cheap labor. And Mm. it is an economic more than a religious issue uh, in fact, like the Pope never said anything about uh, abortion being a sin until the Industrial Revolution and the need mm-hmm. for more bodies to move into the factory system. Um, and beyond that, you know, I've I uh, I've done like another deep dive in the last handful of weeks into my studies. Uh, to just kind of affirm and clarify and validate some of the views that I've developed over the years. Um, It comforts me (laughs) for some reason, I guess, having a historical, like, you know, zooming out, understanding that this moment is really a blip on the screen of humanity and that the vast majority of human history, we've been managing our fertility autonomously uh, in the way that we've, again, the body earth, conversation in the way that we've been growing our food as well that wasn't you know regulated or mediated by an external authority we have a direct knowledge working knowledge and being able to manage our fertility I always say uh, abortion is a homesteading skill you know so um yeah I mean there wasn't to just I I just want to pause there yeah and just like take that in abortion (laughs) is a homesteading skill. I mean, I from our, our last interview that we had, we were having also an, another conversation uh, along these lines. And, you know, I, uh, I, I had an incredible midwife for my second birth. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I think that experience for me was, was so powerful. It was, it was, such a place of reverence. And I, I think if I like, and I think to my abortion that I had when I was 25 and it was completely medical. I mean, it was, it was, it was medical. And then they flubbed and then I had to go back again after like hemorrhaging and like, you know, and it just seemed to go on and, and on um, versus having any space for mourning or ritual or, or connecting, connecting to the earth, having it be something that was, um, that was mine. Uh, yeah. Homesteading skill, you know, I mean, just reclaiming that I'd love to, to hear more about that. How, how do we do that? How do we take this back as a homesteading skill and, and hold space for the ritual and release? Mm. Oh, I mean, where to begin? 
um, like within this container. Um, mm. I mean, that's, that's a place where, you know, I've been like the fringe of the fringe mm. in many ways and, uh, you know, haven't been comfortable in a lot of pro-choice feminist activist spaces that are so focused on abortion as a, uh, a medical procedure, right? It's just a medical procedure. And there's no part of me that wants to, you know, project my dogma upon others. However, in my personal embodied experience and with the many, many people who I've supported with pregnancy release of all type, and I use the term pregnancy release to encompass uh, live birth, stillbirth, miscarriage, and abortion, all of which mm -hmm. I have a lot of experience working with. Creating space for the process of a pregnancy release, however that pregnancy is released, to be a process by which we are renegotiating our relationship with the divine and recalibrating our agreement with embodiment and how we are a vessel for creative power, uh, knowing that that is an inherent process for in pregnancy, whether or not you are conscious of it or honoring it, um, it is always a moment of uh, supreme alchemy and profound transformation, you know, even if we're just talking on this physical level of our cells, right, we will carry the cells of that child forever, no matter how that pregnancy ends. And then when we move into psycho-spiritual realms, um, gosh, the, the healing that is possible when we actually create space for inquiry and exploration of the psycho-spiritual dimension when we move into ritual, when we acknowledge that these are rites of passage, again, regardless of how it unfolds, that ancestrally, fertility and sexuality and pregnancy have been spiritual and social processes, not medical processes. They became medical processes with the rise of the Industrial Revolution. And again, mm. this connection with the earth, the, the industrialization of our agriculture and the medicalization of our fertility have a political and economic uh, parallel that has a paper trail. Yeah. And it's yeah. about profit and power for a handful of old white dudes. Yeah. I think there's this such a difference between, you know, I... I can't get an abortion now versus I can't have an abortion, right? Like, yeah. so let's that's very about... different. Those are different yeah. things. It's because, yeah. you know, you do have internal inherent sovereignty. We do have inherent sovereignty over our bodies. Yeah. and But we are so taught to look outside for the care around how that works, for for the education or should I say lack of education around how that works. And, um, you know, but like, I just want to like sit with that for a second. It's like, it's not that you can't have an abortion. It's you might not be able to get one in certain places and that may ebb and flow and vary, you know, at different <laughs> times and wherever you are. Right. Well, I mean, this goes back into the, just the need for, foundational education about how our bodies work um right. and there's it, statistically speaking from my understanding of of what the demographics of abortion are in terms of timing uh and the mechanics of the physiology of abortion i think about 95 percent of all abortions in the united states could be happening safely at home the way we have a miscarriage. Um, like within whether, that similar time frame, right? But um, no, we're talking about uh, like expanding again, expanding our perspective to understand that there has been quite a bit of research and practice around medications and procedures done outside of clinical settings 
in what is called you know third world or the global majority and uh it's a complete illusion it's a it's a marketing scheme that we have to consume the goods and services from the medical industry as we know it in this country uh that the the medical industry is an industry it's not a healing modality and they have a monopoly on the goods and services Mm. and have successfully fooled the vast majority of the population into thinking that they are completely dependent upon access to consume goods and services from that industry when in fact if you have the proper education and support and you have access to these goods and services through alternate suppliers uh, there are absolutely safe and effective ways to end our pregnancies outside of that entire paradigm interruption we actually got excited and lost the thread here a bit and samantha remembered this and came back to us and wanted to flesh out her idea a little more the following are her words Regarding my statement about approximately 95% of U.S. abortions being able to happen safely at home, herbs, menstrual extraction, manual vacuum aspiration are options in addition to the medications that can, in fact, be safe and effective with proper education and support at various stages of gestation. I do, of course, understand that education and support is not readily available to most people, but I did want to share this information with you out of care. When I made the statement about the vast majority of abortions being able to happen safely at home, I was not simply talking about medication. The gaps between what is physiologically safe and true versus what is ideologically, politically, or culturally normative are immense. Even in states where abortion is fully legal, the clinical protocols and rules about which practitioners are legally allowed to prescribe medications or perform procedures are frequently wildly disparate from what is psychologically safe or possible. My opinions aside, Samantha's that is, World Health Organization standards of care affirm this reality. One of the things that comes up for me as we're having this conversation is I feel so privileged and I know my privilege in us yeah. having this conversation and even being tapped into this knowledge. And I know that there are so many folks that are that don't have access to this education and that are living in poverty and that do not that will not have access to a medical abortion or have any idea that this is even a possibility. I, um, (laughs) I don't know what to do about that. Um, it's just something I'm, I'm very aware of, you know, um, and that, uh, yeah, that that concerns me. I guess whenever I have that thought, I just go to, yes, we need to have this conversation and I need to keep doing my work to make sure that those folks are supported wherever they are, you know, like just to be doing my political work, to be yeah. like putting my donations where I can, because especially just with the current time frame, like how... How quickly is this kind of information and education going to get to the people who need it now or next year or, you know, that 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 education goes very slow. Right. Especially, you know, I'm from middle America. I'm from like, you know, Ohio, the heartland. I I can't imagine um, my cousins having access to this information without me like texting or calling them directly and pointing them um you know and and i i i absolutely will but (laughs) it's just like i i think about that demographic you know that's that's there and um that like television and what they're told is is the knowledge they have um yeah and 
absolutely mm-hmm. aware of that. I am from Idaho. Um, <laughs> I have done teaching tours where I have taught weekend workshops in Missouri and Kansas and Ohio. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm deeply aware of that and the nuance of these conversations, but I'm, of course, wildly passionate that we don't, you know, we still have to move forward. We still have to expand yeah. business and access and skills, um, however and wherever possible. And, you know, like Buddhist Tonglen meditation is probably the best. Oh, yeah. You know, donating right. to abortion access funds. Um, but yeah, it's super painful. Um, you know, here in Colorado, there's a wonderful organization called the Colorado Doula Project. And, um, you know, I did a fundraiser for them with one of my classes, which folks can now watch on YouTube. I published it for free. It's called the Abortion Pill Info Sesh for the Witchy and Wise. Uh, and it's all about using the medications rooted in uh, holistic and wise woman traditions, uh, how to integrate ritual, herbal medicine, and a spiritual perspective while being, you know, grounded in safe physiology as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, like they had, they spend so much money, so much resources with, for example, like a young woman coming from Texas, they paid for her airplane ticket to come to Denver, to go to a clinic, to get the medication, to then go to the hotel room that they paid for, for her to then take the medication and mm-hmm. have the process in a hotel room and then fly back to Texas when if she had access to that medication and the proper support in Texas, all of that resource, all of those time, that time and energy of the airplane flight and the trip to the clinic and the hotel room um, is extraneous. Right. Uh, and that's where I think we need to be so cognizant of the fact that when we're interconnected as womb having people who want to support one another, we can't have state lines, right? Between like, oh, this is just my state and I'm safe here and I don't need to do much of anything. We need to be those people who yeah. are saying, I am going to get someone over here. I'm going to pay for someone to come over. I'm going to support the people who are doing that. Um <laughs> Do y'all know about aid access? Aid access? Yeah. So everybody in all 50 states can order the medications right now yeah. and have them in their cupboard, advanced provisions from aid access. And that was, you know, the majority of my week after Roe was overturned was like texting everybody I know in red states on Get the your meds. <laughs> right. Sure yeah. That they understood that this was an option. Um which is yeah. not a total solution. Like we really need safe access to ultrasound. It's such yeah. a you and anywho, there's a, there's, there's no easy solutions, but that is one really powerful, amazing resource. If you are loving this podcast episode and want to learn more from Samantha Zipporah, check out Samantha Zipporah, Z-I-P-P-O-R-A-H.com. And check out the courses section. Let's talk about a couple of the courses that she has to offer. One is called Miscarriage and Abortion Support eCourse for Care Providers. This is an offering that is available as a pay-what-you-can investment. So a great way to get your feet wet in learning with Samantha. And... We also want to recommend her Nine Moons Wisdom Apprenticeship. This is a mentorship program for radical womb care providers and educators and is full spectrum, providing care for the continuum of fertility and pregnancy and sexuality. And she says all are encouraged to apply including doulas, midwives, medical professionals, body and energy workers, social workers and mental health care providers, life, sex, and cycle health coaches, fertility awareness educators, herbalists, witches, yoga and mindful movement instructors, and rites of passage ceremonialists. All right, so please check those out at samanthazipora.com.
If we can pivot for just a second. There's so much. There's, There's so, so much, much that generates around the womb, all the creativity, all of the the juiciness. You I'm know, sure. we're we're trying to like nurture and hold that and protect that, right? There's it's like our center of creativity of of, of yeah. life. I feel like we could I didn't even want to touch on, you know, alternative conception prevention, which I know is something you know a lot about, um, because I feel like we could do an entire podcast another time on that. But I just want people to know that that is something you can learn from Samantha. Um, But the thing that struck me upon just pouring back over all of your offerings, this really specific to like once we're already parents, once the pregnancy has already happened and come to fruition, um, is that our children grow up and then some of them will be growing into bleeding wombs. And uh, Madison and I both have children that are approaching that very, very quickly. (laughs) I think like any day now, kind of quickly. Um, and a couple of years ago, when I first spoke to my now, um, non-binary identified child about the fact that this would be coming up and we did some, some, you know, sex education, um, puberty education. Um, my child was very excited about the idea of having like a menarche party and having like their most important adults. Um, celebrate them and give them gifts. <laughs> and once they came out as non-binary, I kind of checked back in and said, you know, is this still something you would like to have happen? And I was actually kind of shocked that they said, yes, yes, I do really want to have that. But mommy, I really need you to make it non-binary. <laughs> and so I know that you're someone who, um, is interested in, in kind of the possibilities for the liberation of all of us around, um, removing the intense binary around bodies and the way bodies work and gender. Um, so I was just wondering, um, if you had a non-binary 12 year old, (laughs) What would you, what would, and they were interested in this, what might you do for them? Yeah. Um, well, again, back to this, our bodies as the earth, non-metaphor. I mm-hmm. think that the four seasons and four weeks framework and analogy for the menstrual cycle is uh, an amazing and valuable tool for us to understand with uh, winter mm. solstice being bleeding and summer solstice being ovulation. And then you can also map the moon wow. cycle that. onto that. And the dark That's moon that. is menstruation and the, the full moon is ovulation. And you can, um, you know, there's no gender. I mean, I know that you, mm-hmm. you've already, you gendered earth by saying mother earth earlier, and that is pretty socially normative, but it's like, the generative force of nature has no gender. The, the yeah. cycles that create all life have no gender. So uh, connecting to that expansive perspective of like, you are part of this generative force that is the cycle of the moon and the cycle of the earth um, is a really powerful approach to take. And then I love the menarch or moon box and you can really give this to anybody at any age, but having it prior to Menarch or at a Menarch party, um, you know, a supply box for bleeding with some green options. You know, I like period panties are really the only period panties and cloth pads. And I actually... Sponges. (laughs) Sponges are also wonderful on, you know, on for anybody on lighter days, but like we really actually don't for the health of the the tissues of our vagina and our cervix and the functionality of the uterus, 
Um, I don't want to derail this conversation too far, but it's just coming up, so I'm going for it. Uh, mm-hmm. Putting inanimate objects in your vagina while you're bleeding actually inherently interrupts the healthy release of the endometrial tissue. Folks forget like that the uterus is a sentient being that needs to be able to contract and release. And mm-hmm. that when you put like a cup or a tampon or anything like that over its face, mm. it's not going to function as well. And you're really altering the functionality of the whole pelvic bowl and your pelvic floor by doing that. So side, that was a little side tangent. Wait, side note, side Good note. Good to know. I'm such what? a menstrual so cup person for like over a couple decades. Voting dissociation. I'm shocked by how many of my colleagues uh, and folks out there in the sex education and menstrual education world are promoting menstrual cups. Um, well, I love I, I love that I get get in there. I get bloody. I can put it, you know, dump it into my plants. It, mm-hmm. you know, it feels like I'm connected. And I, I do on my first few days. I use my um, period underwear along with the cup sure because it's i mean i feel like i'd be changing my underwear quite a bit if it was if i was just using it but i do remember back in my early 20s i I went to antioch college and it was all about the free bleed and there there would be womb folks all over bleeding onto newspapers and just yeah it was just it was a a, a fun bloody time back then. <laughs> like i do want to go back to the moon box and some ideas yes. to put in it but i i i want to to name what this is uh like you know i'm a hundred percent pro choice whatever you want to put in your pussy like if you are deeply informed and it's an informed consensual decision, I'm not here to limit people's ideas or be puritanical. However, I do believe that an, a healthy embodied human with a vagina would be viscerally aware of an inanimate object in their vagina in a way that would be uncomfortable and distracting. And that we are supposed to be innervated and sensitive and sensually connected to our cervixes and our vaginas. And that we are normalizing dissociation. Mm-hmm. And that the vast majority of us are deeply dissociated from our vaginas and our pussies. But that that shouldn't be celebrated mm-hmm. as liberation to be dissociated from your vagina. And that if you're just like totally unaware of an inanimate object in your vagina all day, then you have an issue with dissociation. Well, what if you're, you are aware of it though, and you are you're just, just like, it's it. in there and it's, yeah. I mean, I don't know, you know, if you have like a remote control vibrator, you're going around with inside of you, you know, it's in there. Right. You're okay with it being in there. <laughs> so it could have... Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, um, sorry, not to, not to play devil's advocate. You are the expert in this arena. I am learning and, like, and I'd like to experiment with it. You yeah, know, it's not about shaming anybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, trauma, the trauma that causes dissociation is a epidemic in our culture, but we shouldn't yeah. be normalizing that. We should be calling it right. what it is. And the idea of like, put this inanimate object in your vagina and forget it. Right. Should be identified as like, actually, that's not healthy. Yeah. Back to the moon box, right? Maybe a moonstone amulet, maybe a nourishing tea that's remineralizing mm-hmm. some nettles, um, you know, special tea to drink, a journal. Uh, maybe like an altar item or a special like moon time altar to set up when they're bleeding. Um, Your zine. My zine about all <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah, so, and, you know, I, I believe that every single earth-based and indigenous culture has 
a system of energy anatomy uh, for sure. It just so happens we have a lot more written from Tao and, and Tantra around energy anatomy. And I absolutely adore those frameworks, particularly Taoism. I've studied quite a bit of it um, in terms of having really a non-gendered view of the menstrual cycle uh, and our generative sexual force as an aspect of health and uh, something that can uh, promote and expand our consciousness and connection to the divine. So as a parent, I don't know of any like child accessible <laughs> books, but as a parent, it just like having that framework, you know, I already talked about the moon, we already talked about the four seasons, but it's also yeah. the yin yang cycle. Uh, understanding that there's no stasis, there's no control, there is only dynamic balance. Mm -hmm. uh, and each part of the cycle has a very important role. Uh, and if we're using the earth metaphor, you know, you speak about being non-functional while you're bleeding. It's like, do you call an apple tree non-functional in the middle of winter because it's mm -hmm. not producing apples? Right. No, like, who's the idiot? <laughs> if they're like, love that apple tree, like, where are my apples in the middle of winter? <laughs> The apple tree is not the idiot. It's the person who's yelling at them in the middle of winter to be in a phase that they're not in. That is yeah. part of nature. I would throw out the wise wound. Also, again, like adult resource. Uh, it's Jungian psychology and shadow work around the menstrual cycle. I don't know if you've seen the book. I love it. Another mm -hmm. pivot, but you know, you are just this wealth of so much wisdom around mm -hmm. here. I'm so excited to have you here. Something that's been uh, coming up for me really the last few years has been generational trauma. And not just that, but like reproductive generational trauma. Mm -hmm. um, I... I'm a very witchy human and I experience um, imprints and memories when I'm in spaces or sometimes just when my channel is clear and fun download. <laughs> um, sometimes, and <laughs> uh, 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 you know, I mean, it's like, it's all medicine that comes through that needs to be worked with. But um, I've, I've had a lot of, uh, my matriarchal lineage memories come through me of um, reproductive dramas or traumas that they've experienced, mm -hmm. um, including my grandmother. Uh, she experienced an uh, illegal basement um, abortion and then was sexually assaulted by the doctor. I, and then my great-grandmother um, was uh, a, a, in, in sex work, but it was not sex work by choice. It was, uh, she lived, she was, it was during the depression and her um, parents had her engaging in sex work to support the family. And um, uh, and then even my my own birth, experiencing trauma from my my own birth experience. Um, and you know, I I know like this is a part of my genes and my bones and my marrow. Like I can feel it in me. Um, and often these like memories and downloads will happen, and then I'll be like, Hey, mom. So <laughs> let's have a conversation. What do you know about this thing? You know, and I, I get some more information about it. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I, so, you know, I, I, I hold all of these things in love. I, I do what I can to transform these experiences. But I, I was reading on your website um, that, like many of us, um, you... Uh, come from a family that also has experienced some reproductive traumas 
Um, I'd love to see how you have held and processed and healed, not only through this lifetime and vessel that we're in, um, but what we hold from generations past. Mm, yes. Um, thank you I know that's very big and that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is very big. And so, I mean, I one of my phrases that I use a lot and I've titled several workshops, the womb is a spirit door. Mm -hmm. and recognizing also that with very deep, strong orgasms, our uterus also contracts and moves quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's not simple, but it feels almost simple to state. It's like, oh yeah, menstruation, pregnancy release, orgasms, and psychedelics. Uh, and rituals of all sort and ritual intent through those things, conscious, intentional mm -hmm. moving of energies, uh, recognizing that uh, we are also expansive enough to hold more, right? More than just mm -hmm. the trauma. We can hold pleasure and pain at the same time. And that has been yeah. so much of what I teach and what I practice um, around sexual trauma and the pain of many different types of pregnancy outcomes, uh, or, you know, just the pain of life is this perspective that we do not actually necessarily release these things, mm. um, that they're not things that we're going to necessarily, uh, like rid ourselves of or cleanse from our systems or beings. Um, not to say that that's impossible, but for me, what's been a lot more helpful has been, uh, like really conscious, intentional expansion mm. of being able to experience the expansive nature of my body and spirit and my ability to experience both pain and pleasure at the same time, and then make a conscious choice as to what I'm focusing on and what mm. I am generating and devoting my generative power, which is my fertility and my sexuality, uh, among other things, not like to be reductionist, but that's like it. Uh, but it is quite powerful, uh, regardless of, you know, that the actual container, right, whether it is a ritual while you're menstruating, or a meditation during a pregnancy release, uh, or a sexual experience or an experience with entheogens. Uh, yeah, that we, we have this amazing power to move so much energy just through our physiology, even without those drugs. And, and my, my menstrual cycle uh, really is the closest thing to a religion <laughs> for me in terms of a template, again, with like those cycles of nature and the yin yang and uh, I do most of my grief work and ceremony with my bleeding time and mm. you know, offer it back to the work, the earth and to the plants and the soil as something to compost and create generative power with. And I have guides for all of this in my, in my works. And that was also one of my responses to roving overturn was making this leap of faith to make both of my self-study online courses available by donation. So one is the conscious contraception Skillshare and one is the miscarriage and abortion support course. And both of them uh, are very robust uh, inquiries and exploration of mind, body, and spirit, and have modules that are like more or less equal in each of those dimensions that try to be free of dogma, um, but integrating multicultural ceremonies and rituals mm. uh, and exploration of how we experience our power and heal, um, integrate, metabolize, compost, as you were saying, like we don't have to rid ourselves uh, and it might, like we might liberate yeah. ourselves and free ourselves from some of these these painful, oppressive realities, but more so it's like this, this trust in that 
that eternal cycle and process that like our bodies, like we live longer than people without uteruses because of the cellular regeneration of menstruation. That's why Mm -hmm. we have longer lifespans. Wow. Yeah. I mean, my, my experience (laughs) has just been in, when I see these experiences, holding them in love. There's a, a, a phrase that Maria has used a lot, um, being a compassionate witness. And it, when I see those, that's what I feel like I'm meant to do is hold these experiences as a compassionate witness mm-hmm. and then let the joy of that spirit. Yeah. See the joy of that. Oh. So and that good. spirit as well. Memories are just coming back to me. Like I, I followed <laughs> my roots all the way back um, and went on an ancestral pilgrimage in Eastern Europe. I called it the mm. Blood and Power Tour. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. And I did all of this, um, all this and writing and exploration of like the overlap between reproductive and religious oppression and fascism and liberatory mm. movements. See, my family is uh, Jewish. And yeah, there's there's so much. There's so much trauma in my line. It's really intense. I had so many dreams while I was yeah. over there. There were so many experiences of just like, we want to see, we want you to see this. Yeah. And that was really, you're so, you're so spot on. That was just, I bring that up because that was you know, I was very overwhelmed. I was rattled and thrown off in a lot of ways. And the the healing, the medicine kept on being like, we want you to just witness and know that this actually isn't happening to you also. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> it's like, very yeah, for it. Um, but yes, thanks for, for bringing that up. And and the transmutation yeah. that is possible again through through deep connection and reverence for the womb and its processes. This has been phenomenal. So people can find you at samanthazipora.com and you have courses and what else? Correct. Yes, and fruit of knowledge learning community is the best way to have real-time interaction with myself and all of my complete works, as well as all my works in progress um, are on that platform. And there's monthly events and Q&As and things like that. So I am here. I would love to connect. I would be honored um, to be a support, provide light, guide I guess it's Ramona. (laughs) Excellent. And on that note, we all have black cats, the three of us. I have just put that together. Thank you so much for this wonderful time you've spent with us. Farewell and thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Wash Your Mouth Out Podcast. You can find us on the web at washyourmouthoutpodcast.com. Come follow us on Instagram at washyourmouthoutpodcast and on Twitter at mouthoutpodcast.